BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm JT Angstrom with FreightWaves. Join, joining me today is a special guest, Tom Kiley, CEO and co-founder of SourceDay. Tom, welcome. I, thank you, JT. A pleasure to be here today. And as you mentioned, I'm the CEO and co-founder of SourceDay and uh, excited to be speaking with you. Yeah, it's great to have you with us, and, and thanks for dialing in. I know you're in Austin now, but you've spent a bunch of time in Tennessee where, where we're based, so it's a pleasure to be able to connect virtually and have you on our uh, pre-recorded series. Absolutely. I, I appreciate the opportunity and um, definitely w wish we could do these things in person these days. I know how this goes, though. Soon enough. Soon enough. We're all crossing our fingers to get back to those big in-person events, but in the interim, we're, we're, we're fortunate to be able to have this platform to continue to maintain a high level of engagement, which is phenomenal. Absolutely. Can you talk to us a little bit about your background, sort of pre-source day, um, you, you know, how your thought leadership and maybe a small portion of your career has evolved and sort of built you into the individual, which then led you to co-found a company, which we'll talk about right after. Yeah, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. So my, my degree and background is in supply chain, logistics and distribution from Texas A&M. Um, and, and growing up and being in Austin, quickly got into the tech industry and, you know, spent my first seven years at Dell, a uh, few of those years in supply chain, working in the manufacturing facility here and experiencing firsthand, um, you know, supply chain breakdowns and successes that can occur. Um, and then very quickly got into entrepreneurship uh, with an enterprise software sales, got my love for software through that, and then started my first company, company in 2008, uh, which is still uh, present today and I'm on the board of. Um, and then met my co-founder shortly after in 2013, who ran a manufacturing company for 10 years in the supply chain, um, oil and gas electronic manufacturer here in Austin. Uh, and it was his experience um, that really wrote and became the business plan for Source Day and my experience in building my first company uh, that brought us together and, and really bootstrapping and, and co-founding Source Day in, in around 2013 and then ultimately launching that product uh, mid-2015. Um, and, and the rest is sort of history. It's been a, a wild and exciting ride and um, you know, it's an honor to be speaking with you here today. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's an honor to have you joining me, and and that, it's great to hear a bit about your background in terms of the real world experiences, both based in technology, but also focused on supply chain. I think that sets up uh, a tremendous background to become an entrepreneur in you know the technology supply chain space. Um, and I always love hearing the founder stories. Um, you know, entrepreneurship in this space is impeccable and awesome. And, and it, it, the stories are tremendous and I'm, I would love to hear yours. So can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, you met your co-founder, you said in 2013, you sort of launched in 2015. Can you talk to us a bit about, you know, the idea gen process, the market need that you observed, kind of the, the perspective you both collectively developed and then, you know, launching product to market. And then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the impact that has on the market after. 
Absolutely, I appreciate that. And you know, Source Day has been a, a long journey, um, but but ultimately, from our experiences, Clint and, and myself, in seeing some of the breakdowns that exists in some of the largest and and, and earlier, you know, smaller businesses in manufacturing, distribution, uh, direct to consumer space, where the number one linchpin that we always impacted and felt was supplier performance, and, and really behind that, poor performing suppliers. Um, so while Clint was in, in his manufacturing days, uh, the number one thing that they t constantly talked about was where are my parts? Um, and if you think back, uh, there's been many evolutions of the supplier portal. And I don't like to think of Source Day as a portal, um, but, but ultimately, if, if you kind of get down to the, the nuts and bolts of it is we are a supplier performance and collaboration engine in the cloud. We're completely ERP agnostic. And what we're driving is real-time visibility out of our customers' ERP and, and demand planning engines of real-time changing purchase order signals so that suppliers can now have visibility, collaboration, accountability to those PO lines down to the part number and, and really be able to have uh, proactive, engaged interactions around the, the, the misses, the, the items and parts that are going to create customer misses and, and revenue impacts and poor performance and ultimately, in some cases, in, in more days now, the loss of customers where they'll go somewhere else because of poor performing suppliers. So what we've done is ultimately give buyers and, and the supply chain and operations organizations a platform that extends their ERP into the cloud. No matter what ERP they're using, we're bi-directionally integrating to that and allowing our customers and their suppliers to have real-time collaboration and communication on those parts that are at risk of missing and effectively, as I mentioned, you know, causing supplier misses that lead to a customer miss. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tremendous overview. And, you know, I'll mention, not many people know this, but when I was in, uh, when I was in, the, in the consulting realm, I, I had a few clients that were in the manufacturing and also airline and heavy industry space. And the MRO discussion in those worlds is a, is a large one. It's a big cost center. And, and frequently you'll find that industrial conglomerates, if you want to call them that, um, have a reasonable amount of visibility to high capex items, but a low level of visibility to consumables and uh, other class C items. And so I can certainly, from a very personal experience, um, understand and appreciate um, the, the value opportunity in driving incremental, both visibility and then, and then incrementally taking efficiency and then looking at inventory and planning and positioning and the whole nine yards of the supply chain process for a part of the market that is frequently overlooked. And so that, that's tremendous. That's really awesome. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better. And so with that, why don't we talk about uh, a few of the most common challenges you see companies grappling with with respect to their suppliers? Yeah, I appreciate that. that's a great, great leading question. And I really like to start out with some, some data points that we have from our, from our platform and from our customers' day-to-day uh, -day interactions. And that's uh, the only thing constant in supply chain that you know, everyone knows is change. Um, supply chain volatility is ever present um, and, and things and unfortunate occurrences like COVID and natural disasters and otherwise just uh, exacerbate that um, in, into higher volatility. So um, what we've seen through our customers' data is 40% uh, of all PO lines 
are subject to change, whether it's a demand signal from the ERP, from a customer change or an inventory change, or a supplier miss where they're going to short ship or uh, be late on a delivery and, and you find out before or, or sorry, excuse me, after it's too late, right? And, and that volatility through COVID, as an example, went from 40% on average to over 60% of all PO lines, part numbers, experienced some sort of change or component of risk that led to a miss for a customer. Uh, and, and compensating for that by overbuying and materials and safety stock and inventory is costly to your, your cash flows and your margins. And uh, ultimately, the, that miss and that kind of experience uh, causes customers to have a poor experience. Um, we had a customer in the health and beauty space uh, that was able to double their uh, presence and, and growth year over year through COVID, despite some of the supply chain risk and disturbances and, and volatility that happened, just by simply having processes and systems and and prepared um, uh, process flows in place that enabled them and their suppliers to to, to be more proactive uh, to that volatility. Yeah, yeah, that's remarkable to hear how the, the chain and change in volatility this year it seems widespread across every single measurable metric in the transportation space. You know the the story of volatility. So that that's interesting. Now, as we think about volatility and and service levels and perhaps stockouts, how do we think about uh, the impact or benefit of visibility in the logistics space. And I think you could actually extrapolate that more broadly speaking across anyone who manages a supplier network of inventory. Um, you know, and again, touching back on some of my previous experiences, um, you know, in, a, in the manufacturing example, which I know you and your co-founder had some previous experiences, you know, a consumable item, which may cost 10, 20, 40, $100, on your balance sheet may seem insignificant, but if it's a critical item for a manufacturing line and the manufacturing line goes down because you don't have the inventory item in place, your opportunity cost can be really significant. And so there's a, there's a lot of ways to cut down the, the inventory items in this space. And I just give one example. Can we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely right. I think you know when when you're trusting the data in your ERP system, most organizations will will spend hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to put in inventory management, logistics, TMS, ERP, and and you know advanced MRP and demand planning systems in place, and um, all of that really you know just enables visibility to what's happening inside your four walls. Um, and I think that, that that's great, right? It gives you good data and, and good uh, proactive uh, you know, tasks for your, your buyers to go be tactical and chasing suppliers down and chasing freight and logistics down and um, you know, making sure you're expediting and getting things in uh, you know, at the appropriate time for schedules and planning. Uh, but, but the reality is you know, that's half the story. Um, for a buyer and a planner or somebody that's managing logistics and freight, they don't actually truly see the, the data behind the supplier's ability to meet demand. And that volatility um, creates the, the necessity for them to overbuy an inventory, whether it's a, you know, a commodity or a, a, um, you know, a specialty part that, that they can only get from one supplier. They need to have that supplier visibility outside their four walls so that suppliers can see forecasting, see PO change data and, and exception data as it's happening in real time and then be proactive and, and actually accountable to that data so that you know, they're not being impacted last minute and having to overnight or air freight or next day uh, mass amounts of orders. And they can you know, immediately impact their bottom line by 
driving that automation, driving that visibility outside the ERP, outside their existing systems, and enabling those suppliers to be much more responsive and performing at a much higher level. And therefore, it's you know giving a supplier you know the ability to be uh, the highest performing suppliers that you can, enabling them to hit your on-time and full deliveries, which then correlates to lower costs, lower freight and shipping, less expedited parts. Uh, a great example that, that I always love to share is one of our first cu customers at Source Day uh, was frequently in the automotive space having to uh, charter fre air freight uh, in, in full um, freight charters of parts last minute at the cost of tens of thousands of dollars just to get parts to their assembly line so that they could hit their customers on time in full deliveries without having to hit penalties. So. You know, they were eating those expedite costs just from supplier misses or unacknowledged parts and POs and on purchase orders that was causing that impact. And it was a very simple problem to solve by just putting a collaboration tool to monitor performance in place. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I heard you bring up on time and full a few times in your response, OTEF, you know, uh, yeah. by acronym. Can we talk about that a little bit? It seems, it seems the industry norm or target um, have 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 been earmarked, I'll call it, for a 50% rate. Can we talk about that a little bit? Is that high, low, acceptable, appropriate for today, not great for tomorrow? How do you think about that? I think it's alarming that we've, uh, for whatever reason, you know, found that acceptable and, and just kind of been um, managing to live with it, right, by by you know overbuying in those commodity parts and you know increasing safety stock levels, holding more inventory at massive cost, right? And, and having to add warehouse space and additional overhead and, and really just eating those costs just because of that poor performance on suppliers. And it's not across the board, right? It's not every part, it's not every supplier, but you know, inevitably at every organization, even the most high performing manufacturer, distributor, direct to consumer is, you know, has, has a supplier or two or hundreds that, you know, are below the mark, right? And, and I, I just find that to be really kind of um, alarming to, to think that that's acceptable. And um, I, I think, you know, one example for, for our customer base is that an electronics component manufacturer here in Austin, Texas, that has almost entirely sourced from China from their suppliers through COVID was able to maintain a 96% OTIF, right? That, and that's just an unbelievable rate. And they didn't do that by overbuying and sitting on inventory ahead of time, but, but they did have more predictability, much more visibility, and they had systems and tools in place when everyone was sent to work remote at their organizations, other than those, those critical and um, employees that were working in the facilities. You know, the rest of operations and buying and planning and scheduling and your suppliers were, were now remote. And having a tool and systems and processes, more importantly, in place, uh, that enabled them to, you know, be uh, resilient and prescriptive in how they collaborated against supplier performance and the changes and that, you know, increased in 50% of volatility and disruptions to the POs. And, you know, that 50% that rate is, is, again, I just can't say it enough. It's an alarming rate. And, you know, organizations have spent millions of dollars on automating sales and e-commerce and, and order processing and making sure that they can bring sales orders in. Um, while leaving the back office, the operations, the buying, and the, the supply chain organizations to, to live in Excel and email. And, and that's what's causing that. The root cause of 50% and the root cause of, of, of those poor performing numbers 
is just because you've made all the investment in the front of the house and you've automated nothing in the back. So now your, your buyers and planners are, are really left to just be tactically chasing down acknowledgements and, and exceptions and shipments and ASNs. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And you mentioned the word predictions. Let, let's talk about predictions a little bit. 2020 is from a supply chain management perspective, a global perspective, broadly speaking, but at least from a supply chain management perspective, uh, an anomaly of years, um, hopefully for many years to come. What's sort of your prediction for 2021? What are you advising your customers? How do you think about planning, at least from an inventory point of view? How do you think about um, uh, giving good advice to, to, to both buyers and suppliers? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yeah, I think it's been pretty obvious, right? I think everyone knew uh, there was volatility in supply chains as we've discussed, right? I think uh, my bold prediction for 2021 is you need to stop enabling poor performing suppliers. You need to stop uh, accepting that as a reality and, and start putting investment and effort and automation behind it. Not just automation, but um, you know, predictable automation where you can use true collaborative data between your internal organization and your trading partners and your suppliers globally to, to really enable your ERP investment to be more prescriptive and, and predictable around accurate lead times, accurate forecasting, making sure you're able to reduce your safety stock levels, increase your inventory turns, um, and, and really enabling organizations to operate at the highest level possible and, and arm your buyers with the ability to go have real valuable conversations with your supply chain so that they can actually talk about what, what the failures are and, and where we need to improve and, and how organizations can actually start to operate and perform at the highest level so that they can be accountable and, and making your OTIF rates higher. Um, another you know, big piece is I, I believe you're going to see a significant investment um, whereas before I mentioned earlier, uh, in the front office where you've got investments being made in e-commerce and sales and automation and order processing, all of that's not fully automated. I think you'll see a significant investment in all things supply chain automation. Um, you, you see it today when you're watching the news at any, any level and consumer products um, you know, going out of stock on the shelves due to fluctuating demands. Uh, in, in, some, in some cases, um, you know, demand that, that really isn't really there and it's um, being created false pretenses, um, driving stockouts, uh, such as the toilet paper <laughs> um, pandemic that happened. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see organizations start to put more investment in technology and automation in their supply chain performance, driving their suppliers to be a bigger piece of uh, their business as partners and having better accountability and visibility to what that demand truly is and, and how it's fluctuating and how their performance is impacting the business. Yeah. Yeah, and now as you think about, you know, executive teams driving performance or seeking to uh, enable their teams to drive better performance, what do you think are some of the, the, the top questions they should be asking the front lines, their front lines, to ensure that they're getting 
they're, they're seeking the insights required to be able to source the information, the data, the systems, the requirements possible to fully enable their organization to improve. Yeah, great thought, right? And I, you know, I speak to a lot of executives at a lot of large uh, manufacturing, consumer, CPG distributors uh, every day. And some of the most alarming things that I hear is, you know, they're asking their operations and supply chain executives uh, a lot of questions that they can't get answers to readily and, and takes a lot of manual processes, especially when they have multi-sites and, and, and a much larger organization. Even in mid-market and small organizations, unable to answer something simple as, you know, what percentage of your existing inventory on hand is shippable at any given week or any given day? And, and not having visibility to that because they don't know what's coming inbound in real time. They don't have logistics availability. They don't have ASN information, event ship notifications. They don't have acknowledgement data to know truly what's coming in until it shows up. And, and without that data, you don't know what is shippable within your inventory. Uh, in addition to that, how are you scoring your suppliers, right? Your suppliers can literally make or break your, your revenue targets. Uh, I was uh, at an organization in my career where uh, something as simple as a, a penny part could stop a $10 million order from going out, out the door and being recognized in the quarter uh, and, and in many cases, we would work, you know, 20, 30 days straight, multiple shifts to make up for that. Those are hard costs that you can immediately uh, eliminate just by having systems and tools in place to have visibility to those misses before it hits the factory floor and, and the part's not there to be picked. Um, and the last place really is, and I find this one to be the most alarming, is what, what is the true cost of a late order from your suppliers? Most organizations have kind of guessed at a fuzzy math of, you know, $150. So I've talked to some organizations that say it's as high as $150,000 per late order. Just depends a little bit on what you're making and the cost uh, of, of your inventory, but really understanding the cost of a late order from your suppliers on average gives you the ability to go and know where you need to make investments and automation and visibility across the board so that you, you have predictable um, revenue and, and predictable growth uh, and a good control of your costs and overhead. Uh, without that cost, and when I'm speaking to customers and executives, uh, and, and they truly just don't have that, uh, it, it, it seems alarming to me that they're able to actually operate um, and, and make investments appropriately. Totally, couldn't agree more. It sounds like you guys are working on some really awesome and phenomenal things in a market which is incredibly underserved, but with big opportunity for efficiency enhancement. So I, that's really exciting, that's awesome. Congratulations. I, I appreciate it. And honestly, you know, we have an amazing team. Uh, we've been fortunate uh, at Source Day to, you know, continually grow and, and see even exciting growth through COVID, despite some of the uncertainty and, and tragedy that's happened. Um, you know, you know I, I, I give it all to the team and our leadership and, and the strategy that we've been able to, uh, you know, continue to make uh, improvements uh, in our customers' delivery to their customers. That's tremendous. And with that, we're going to close out. Uh, Tom Keeley, CEO and co-founder of Source Day. Tom, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm JT Anction with Freight Waves. Have a great day.